0: What's going on, everyone? Dave Brown here with another episode of Monday Rewind. It was all the way back in episode number 99 that we sat down with Patrick Bed David to talk about his experience as an Iranian refugee, his service in the United States military, and the trail that he blazed as an entrepreneur. Patrick Bett-David is the founder of PHP Agency, Inc., one of the fastest-growing companies in the financial and life insurance marketplace. He also launched Valuetainment, a leading media brand packed with entertaining, thought-provoking interviews with some of the world's most intense personalities, as well as value-driven videos on entrepreneurship and personal development. In this Monday Rewind, we pull some short snippets from Patrick's original interview that we did with him. Uh, Here, he talks about the method he used to determine what business to concentrate on, his insight on being a leader, His religious and spiritual path. And if you want to hear the rest of the story he begins telling in this episode, go back to episode 99. Tune in for the full interview. But in the meantime, sit back and get ready for a fast paced Monday rewind with Patrick Bet David. You're listening to the American Snippets podcast.
1: Let's start first with your company PHP Inc. to give people an idea, maybe people who have not heard of you, um, which I don't think there are many, but just in case, let's talk about your company now and what you're doing with it.
2: Yeah. So when I when I got out of the army, I, I, I wanted to be a bodybuilder and uh, I went and hung out with a lot of bodybuilders. I was I wanted to be Mr. Olympia. I wanted to marry a Kennedy, kind of like be the Middle Eastern Arnold and yeah. possibly go into politics and movies later on. But, uh I met a, a, a female friend Jean Beir, who worked at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. We started dating. I started working at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter a day before 9-11 and when I got my series 766, the whole nine the whole nine and stayed in the industry. And then October of 09, I decided to start our own insurance company with 66 agents out of Northridge, California. And uh, we started it with uh, all, you know, every single penny I had saved I put into the business. And then we grew it from 66 insurance agents to now uh, 10,400 agents in 49 states. And Oscar De La Hoya is one of our investors. Gabriel Brenner is one of the investors. Adelaya Fund out of New York, which is a $2 billion fund, is one of our investors. And we've grown it. We now have over 100 offices nationwide. Uh, We used to sell 50 insurance policies a month, 100 insurance policies a month just a few years ago. And last month, we sold 5,850 insurance policies in one month. And we're growing. We're growing aggressively. So that's that's the business side. That's what I do professionally. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the uh, social media side, I simply uh, part time started a YouTube channel. And you know, one day uh, Mario and I we said let's change the channel's name from Patrick David to Value And we said let's take one word that uh, I can talk about. And the one word was entrepreneurship. And we said we're just going to go out there and talk about the word you know entrepreneurship. That's the topic and started creating content and then from there it grew from a you know a smaller channel to 1.3 million and you know over a billion minutes watched and uh, it, it's been an interesting ride but that's kind of what I do
1: yeah and i love that because it sounds so simple when it comes for you but every single thing that you just said Carries a lot of weight behind it, a lot of struggle, a lot of challenge, a lot of hard work. It's it, it when it falls off lips so easily, it can be deceptive. People think, oh, I just decided to start a company with sixty six, but but it wasn't just a decision that you made one day and started a company and had sixty six employees like magically fall into your lap, right? You had to go through a ton of stuff to get there, um, you know, just just to start. And I've heard you say, and this is something I want to touch on quickly. I heard you say a couple of times that you know you kind of joke a little that life insurance is boring you know, but so tell me, tell me why you say that. Do people kind of roll their eyes when you say you sell life insurance? Like,
2: you know, you know, for people that see the content first and then yeah. they ask me what I do for a living, they think I'm in Silicon Valley. They think I'm in technology. They think, okay. that, like, Oh, he's going to say he's in technology. He's probably a Silicon Valley guy. And then I say, I sell life insurance. It's almost like they're disappointed by, it. you know, you, <laughs> you do what I do life insurance, something that, uh, it's not the easiest product to sell because no one wakes up in the morning saying, babe, you know what I'd like to talk about today? What would you like to talk about today? I think I'd like to talk about dying today. What do you mean dying today? Yeah, let's go talk to some life insurance people and remind us that one day we're going to die and we need some policy. What an exciting yeah. thing. Right? So, you know, the, the product isn't a product that is bought. It is a product that is sold. Like people wake up in the morning, they go buy shoes. No one sells you shoes. You buy shoes. You go buy food. You yeah. go buy clothes. But- you don't buy insurance, you are sold insurance. So It's a bit of a tough product that to, to market. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of fell in love with the business because what I noticed with the business was, it's almost like, uh, um, you know, everybody chases the next hot, exciting thing. One of the best things I learned uh, 14 years ago, four, 15 years ago by a mentor of mine, he said, go to an industry where there is problems. Be the solution, fix it. You'll be wealthy and you'll be a hero. So I looked around and I said, let me see what industry is having problems. Because everybody was flocking to real estate. Everybody was flocking to be a loan officer. Everybody said, I'm going to go do real estate. I'm going to go do technology. I'm going to go do this. And I sat there and I said, look, here's the financial industry. Within the financial industry, the insurance industry, the average agent is a 59-year-old white male. And they don't know how to connect with the Latino community. They don't know how to connect with millennials. They don't know how to connect with Gen Xs. And the industry is quite boring if we can find a way to make it exciting there'll be a big opportunity there and baby boomers who are born from 1964 1946 to 1964 the biggest generation of all time 76 million kids they're getting close to retirement they want to have some help with that that's a good opportunity and i said we're going to go there because they're not recruiting agents the industry is not growing what if we can figure out a way to innovate it and we got in and obviously from there the rest is history and today the marketplace is looking at us. The marketplace is growing 2% a year, 2% a year. And we're growing three years in a row, 75%. And that's not that's not normal to them.
1: No, it's probably not normal to a lot of people, right? But I, so a lot was just said there. And a lot of it is about thinking like, you know, creatively, you had to see a lot of people will go say, I want to make this amount of money or I want to sell this. But what you just pointed out is you have to find the problem and then be the solution. You can't just come up, create, invent a solution to a problem that doesn't exist or that people don't care about, you know, and life insurance, I think is only boring to people who've never needed it or never known somebody who needs it. Right. Like someone like me, I, I honestly don't know where I would have been if my husband, you know, if the military did not have that life insurance policy for him. I had four little boys and my husband was killed and, you know, and I couldn't necessarily continue my job as four little boys and, you know, and a, and, and a husband that was just killed. Right. So um that life insurance policy is what gave me some year. It gave me time. It gave me time to kind of breathe and be like double parent for my children, you know? So uh, maybe before, you know, when I was in my twenties or early thirties, I wouldn't have ever had life insurance. That's for old people, right? Mm-hmm. That's for stuff that, but I I love what you're doing and I hope that you reach more and more and more people because I will tell you, you don't want to think about it, right? But when you need it and that worst thing happens, the last thing you need to be worried about is paying your mortgage. When's the last time you had an interview for a job? Like you yourself went into an interview and sat down as a candidate.
2: (laughs) I mean, I... I I think it's Morgan Stanley Dean Witter well, and that's two months before nine uh, 11, 2001. I, I, no, one's asked me that question, by the way, I, the last company I interviewed with was Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. It's the last company I interviewed with was Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, but you, you know, what's amazing. I got to tell you this. Yeah. So, so a lot of times when, when someone asks, so what is it now that you interview people and you're everyone's boss and you're this and you're that. And so I sat down one of my guys, that uh, we were going through and I had a meeting with our executive team. And I said, you guys realize everybody in this room can be fired. I hope you realize your job is not as safe as you think it is. And everybody was quiet for a second because I wanted them to simmer on that. I said, I want you to know this is not a threat, even though it sounds like a threat. Let me explain. I said, none of you guys get fired more often than I do. So here's what I mean by none of you guys get fired more often than I do. Every time a customer leaves us, that is a form of firing me. Every time an employee leaves us, that is a form of firing. Every time an agent leaves us, that's a form of firing. And every time a carrier decides to change and go to another place, that's a form of firing. I said, and if I don't do my job as a CEO, you will not be here at the company. You'll go somewhere else. You're firing. So indirectly I'm in the job of retaining and making the company better all the time. Cause I'm being interviewed every day. Whereas For job interview, you only interviewed one time. When you become a CEO, you're interviewed every day. People are watching every single behavior you have, everything you're doing, how you handle finances, how you handle victories, how you handle a loss, how you handle criticism, how you handle defamation of character, uh, how you handle a setback, how you handle uh, uh, somebody that's trying to bully you around and push you as a competitor. But uh, when you ask me the question about interviewing people, you know, it comes back knowing that today, like even our – C-suite executive that we have, our COO, her name is Alice. Alice was the former COO and director of operations for PacLife. PacLife is a couple hundred billion dollar company. She was there for 22 years and she's got a beautiful home at La Quinta. Her husband was a former baseball player who used to be in a major leagues. He pitched to Pete Rose and they made a lot of money through insurance, but I wanted them as a COO and she's retired. She's done. She's in her fifties, but they've already made their tens of millions of dollars. They're not like hey, we need this job because we need another salary. I called her up and I spoke to her. So it's not really, she's interviewing for the job. I'm interviewing, she's interviewing to see if she wants to move her family, her and her husband to Dallas. And then after multiple interviews, she finally agreed to come out here and move to Dallas. So the higher the talent and the higher the people you want, they're interviewing you. So I'm getting interviewed all the time. It's just a different kind of an interview than a job interview. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a different way of thinking about it.
1: Did I see it correctly that you even got kicked out of Bible school when you were six years old for, for questioning Absolutely.
2: things? <laughs> Absolutely. My Bible study, eventually, we would sit there and the teacher would make the mistake and ask questions. Say, Do you guys have any questions? And I was always, yeah. right, yes. Can I ask you why a hundred people died in uh, Tehran last week? And if God really loves people, why would he allow a hundred people to die and, you know. Many of them were young kids. Is God okay with that? And eventually the teacher couldn't have answers for me. That's so why, by, by the way, there's a reason why I was an atheist for 25 years of my life. Huh. She couldn't answer me. And then eventually the teacher uh, went to my uh, parents and said, look, we, we just can't have your kid in our classroom anymore. He questions every single thing we do. So yes, I, that was the case at six years old and not much has changed.
1: Not much has changed. Well, but look where it got you, right? So you said you were an atheist for 25 years. Is that, that's changed now?
2: oh yeah yeah i mean i was an atheist 25 years and by the way i am still extremely uh uh, skeptical because i'm a math guy everything to me is math so you have no idea when every pastor i've debated that's a brilliant pastor it always ends when we get cornered in a topic that cannot be addressed and then they finally say at the end of the day you gotta have faith so no matter what i say right now everything is eventually faith because there's a part of life where you're betting nobody can say I know 100% because you've never died uh, and gone to heaven to see what it looks like but I will tell you a weird story about what happened to my life when I was in the army and I scored high on my PT score they gave the high scorers uh, uh, two days to get away and hang out with this one uh, uh guy who owned a uh, camp by the lake And we said you know we'll go no problem we've been in this boot camp thing for too long we need a break so we go to this place with one caveat, every night we needed to do Bible study with him for one or two hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't bring the Bible out. So we would sit there and he would start talking about the Bible. And anyways, eventually after the whole thing's done, it was like 20 of us at his house, at this cabin, we leave and he pulls me aside. He says, son, this, this Bible was given to me by my parents, December 24, 1974. I have it till today. He says, I think you need it more than I do. Wow. And uh, he gives it to me. I'm like, very weird. I said, thank you for the gift. Appreciate it. And and I laughed. So I went back to my boot camp. I'm like, this was very weird. I said, you know what, God, I don't believe you exist, but I'm going to pray. And I started praying. This is what my prayers sounded like. God, I don't believe you exist. I think it's fake. I think it's a facade. I think it's an act. I think it's used to get money and all this other stuff from people. But I am willing to pray every day is what I'm going to do. So I started praying three times a day. From 1997 on, I pray three times a day for 20 straight, whatever it is, just three times. So one day I'm with my, uh, one of my girlfriends and her and I are in a relationship and we had a breakup and it was a very ugly one. And I'm at the top of Universal Studios City Walk, and I'm in my car, my expedition, and she walks out of the car after, after a bad fight. And I'm just in tears because I'm in dead 49 have nothing going on in my life, nothing to look forward to. I'm thinking about reenlisting in the army. Like nothing. My car is going through a repo. They're trying to find it. I keep parking a car a mile out. So no one, (laughs) I mean like that. So anyways, long story short, long story short, um, I'm in the uh, 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 expedition. It's two o'clock in the morning. I haven't talked to my mother for two or three years. And I said, look, God, I don't believe you exist. But if you exist, I want to hear from my mom. And I was extremely emotional in that moment. I said, I just want to hear her voice. And 30 seconds later, my phone rings from an unknown number. What? And I answered this phone. You have no idea how flippant scared I was when I answered. <laughs> I answered. Yeah. The phone. It was my mom crying on the other line. And what? why are you calling me? She says, because I felt you were in pants. I had to get my number. This is a next number. She says, I got it six months, but I haven't called you yet because I wasn't happy about you joining the U.S. Army. And uh, I spoke for a couple minutes. I got off the phone. I got to tell you. I've never been this scared in my life.
1: Yeah. Never,
2: because I'm like, wow. You know, somebody is listening. And if this somebody is listening, man, this is some scary stuff here because that means the ask and the responsibility can be bigger. And what if this can really be scaled? Anyways, that that's what happened and from that moment on. I said, look, I mean, I'll I'll go try to find something. So I went through like 20, 30 different churches and then my skeptical side decided to study Scientology, Mormonism, Judaism, You know, all the churches I could run into, Muslim, all this stuff. I just kind of went through everything because I wanted to know all of it. And and then, you know, life changed. January 21st, 2004 is when my life changed.
0: All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of Monday Rewind. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you got any value out of this episode, please leave us a five-star review. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to the full interview that we did with Patrick Bet-David. He offers a lot of golden nuggets, insight, and wisdom. His story is absolutely incredible. And if you enjoyed this Uh, Episode of Monday Rewind and these short little snippets that we shared with you here today. You're definitely going to enjoy the full interview that we did with Patrick Bet-David. Again, that's episode number 99. Uh, Don't forget, go to americansnippets.com forward slash newsletter to tune in, uh, probably in the show description here or whatever device you're listening to uh, with this podcast. There'll be a link there as well to the original interview with Patrick Bet-David. Again, thanks for tuning in today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are.